Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Mark introduces you to some of the world's leading creative talent from publishing, film, music, restaurants, medical research, and more. You'll discover how to tap into your most original thinking, how to organize your ideas, and most of all, how to make the connections and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity. Welcome back, friends. I'm Mark Stenson. And today I'm so pleased to have as my guest, Christian Banach. And Christian is a consultant to advertising agencies and creative boutiques and companies and firms on how to have a predictable flow of new business and get new clients. And Christian, welcome to the program, first of all. Hi, Mark. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk with you here today. Yeah. And, you know, having spent my entire career in the agency business, new business and client prospecting and that sort of thing, having a pipeline of prospects and leads was always top of our mind. But also, you know, what did the clients want was always a point of discussion. And, you know, everybody wanted to be the most creative agency. But was creativity always the only thing that clients are looking for in an agency? No, I mean, I would argue that that's, that that's a byproduct of what they're looking for. What they're, what they're really looking for is they have some sort of problem and they need an agency to solve it. And if creativity can be a vehicle to do that, great. But at the end of the day, they want business results. Interesting. So, I mean, there was always so much focus on creative awards. You know, we're the most creative and we had the best ad and we were, you know, the best commercial or what have you. How did clients look at awards in that context? Yeah, that's interesting. I think in the agency space, that's certainly something that we put a lot of value in and, and understandably, but when I'm seeing with talking to prospects is that that's not necessarily what they put a, a lot of value in, uh, at least initially. They're first and foremost looking for those those types of agencies that can solve a problem that they have. And, you know, granted, then they're as a second or a third layer, they're going to start looking at things like awards to, you know, start to understand which agencies may be able to separate themselves uh, from each other. But, uh, you know, interestingly, I mean, they're, they're not following the trades, you know, and, and every award that happens to come through, like, you know, us in the agency space are. So, you know, it's certainly a, a great a PR opportunity, but it, it's not nearly the new business driver, I think, that most agencies think and, and feel that it is. Mm -hmm. And so, Christian, you're consulting with clients that range from Reebok to TD Bank and others, really multinational level. And again, I guess, you know, from a screening process, you say, well, if I'm going to work with these big clients, I must have to work for the big agencies. Has that always been the case? No, that that's not the case uh, at all. To be honest with you, you know, we I work with you know some of the biggest agencies in the world. I work with some you know very smaller uh, smaller shops as well. And you know the the agencies that are smaller that are winning those types of accounts, uh, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know they solve a very specific problem and they're very good at that one particular problem. And regardless of the size of the agency, if, if you can do something that's and uniquely do it differently than others that are out there, you know, you can win business from even some of the, the biggest companies out there, even if you're small. So, you know, I think it's very difficult, on the other hand, for a full service 
agency that, you know, is 20, 30 people to, you know, win those types of accounts, because it's very difficult to be good at everything. But if you're, if you specialize in a certain area and you're really good at that area, those big companies will seek you out. Mm -hmm. And when you're working with some of these creative agencies, large or small, what is your approach to helping them figure out what is that one thing? It's easier said than done, I imagine. Yeah, it is because unfortunately how a lot of agencies have grown is really through word of mouth and referrals and, and that type of business then comes and you don't necessarily know the type of work you're going to get or the type of clients that you're going to get. So it, it sort of creates a situation where they've, they've done a lot of different things. And then once they get their foot in the door with a client, uh, the client might ask them to do something else. And, you know, us in the creative space, we love coming up with creative solutions and, and we'll go forward and we'll do that. But we haven't really built a business around a, a certain capability. As I, as I think about, you know, your question here, I think, so the, the process then that we would go through is really first examining the clients that you have worked with and what are the problems that they came to you for and, and how did you solve those problems for, the, for those uh, particular clients. And we look for commonalities between them. At, at first glance, a lot of agencies don't realize that um, that there is certain buckets of work that they've done. Maybe it's certain types of consumers that um, these companies were targeting. Maybe it's certain channels that they were targeting, but there usually is some common theme. And then what we then do is we take those themes and then we will go and try to find, all right, so what are the companies that have that same type of theme, that same type of problem that you've solved? And then we go and find companies that are having similar problems to that. Mm -hmm. And how receptive are the agencies? I mean, again, I, I think about a process that you see so many companies. It's like, well, when I lose an account, I better go get a new business strategy. <laughs> it's very reactive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very um, reactive. You know, luckily, you know, I'm in a position at least that when uh, an agency chooses to engage in me, they've usually gotten to the point where they realize they have to do something different already. So I come to them at, at a point in their development stage where they're they're ready for some change. And, and they're, they're open and receptive to, to that type of an approach. But I will say, you know, that is, it's rare because a lot of the other agencies that are out there uh, that haven't reached that point yet, you know, they don't want to be put into a certain box. Uh, you know, they, they want to work on a wide variety of clients for a wide variety of services, which I can understand and relate to. But from a pure business standpoint, um, that's not necessarily what the clients are looking for. Mm -hmm. And I guess going back to, you know, the client selection process, you know, is there a scorecard? Is there a, a seismic graph that says here's where you need to make impact in order to get the client's buy-in? Yeah, I think, you know, if I understand the question, I, I think at the end of the day, it certainly helps if you have clients in their industry or that have targeted similar types of, of um, prospects, you have to have some proof, right? You can't just go to market and try to win new business if, if you haven't done it before. It, it's, it's really challenging to, to go at it that way. Um, and it also very much helps if you have some remarkable results in, a, in that category as well. And, and that's part of the, the selection process that we go to as well is, you know, we, we look at not only, you know, what are the problems you solved for clients, but, you know, was your approach um, unique? Because if everyone else could have solved the same problem, uh, then it's probably not going to cut through and make a, a new company, especially a, a, an enterprise company, stop and want to change agencies. But if you've done it uniquely and you've delivered some remarkable results for somebody in a similar industry or sort of similar target audience, um, that's definitely a great way to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And Christian, you came to this 
consulting uh, angle of the business based on your own agency experience and the roller coasters of trying to get new business and, and grow your own company. Maybe you could give us a little of that background. Yeah, I, you know, I came into the industry. I didn't, I didn't try to come in. I just sort of ended up in the industry. I actually started a business in high school, uh, which was more of a concert promotions business. And that's really what it was for the first, you know, four or five years. It was a great way uh, to pay my way through college. You know, we did some really great things. We were working with Grammy award-winning artists like Lady Gaga and Pitbull and T-Pain. And and through, you know, the concerts that we done, we did a lot of work with sponsorships and we started working with big brands through our sponsorships. And then along the way, we also got approached by an experiential marketing agency that was looking for some help with some more street type activations. And based on our concert promotion business, they wanted, a, they wanted us to kind of help come in and help them. And we did. And that really exposed me to more of the, uh, you know, experiential and event marketing space. And it was, a, it was a very natural transition from what we were doing in the concerts and with sponsors into experiential marketing. Uh, and then, you know, this is probably about five or six years into the company, you know, it, it ended up getting to the point where our experiential marketing, event marketing became half of the business and the concert promotions became, you know, the other half of the business. Uh, but like I said, it wasn't something that was planned, um, but I found myself uh, like I think a lot of agency owners, you know, we all take maybe different paths, but a lot of the smaller agencies, uh, a lot of the founders have unique stories and how they ended up with where they are. So it's, uh, it's not uncommon, um, but, and with that, you know, comes some, a lot of pros and cons to the, to that entryway into the agency space. Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I always think of them as uh, mistakes or, you know, but euphemistically, maybe lessons learned, like mm -hmm. here's, here's what not to do. Uh, what were some of those for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, for keeping on the theme of new business, uh, you know, I, like a lot of agencies, I grew my business through, you know, word of mouth and referrals as well. You know, it was that agency that reached out to me initially that got me going into the whole space. And then it was other agencies finding out about our great work. And it was, you know, it was a lot of word of mouth. And, and that was good in the beginning. And then the 2008 recession happened. And business really, you know, dried up like it did for most businesses that were out there. And those referrals and that word of mouth wasn't coming in. And here I was trying to figure out how to keep this business afloat. And I, I didn't have a proactive new business approach. Uh, I didn't really know where to begin. So I did. I ended up hiring a consultant uh, similar to kind of what I do here today. And they came in and they, they provided a tremendous amount of value. Uh, but it was a little bit too much too late, unfortunately. Uh, however, you know, it was what I was learning through them and that process uh, is what inspired me when I ended up deciding to close that agency down a couple of years later. Uh, but it's what inspired me to go into new business and business development, which is where I've been the last 10 years. So, you know, the lesson that I really learned there is that, uh, you know, even when the times are good, you know, you still need to have a focus on having a predictable pipeline, a, pro a sales process, not and, and today I look at anything that I get through word of mouth referrals as a bonus, right? Uh, and, and most agencies don't, that, that's where they, they drive everything from. So, you know, a large reason why I decided to go into the consulting space and I'm in here today is to help those agency owners that were, that are in probably a similar position that I was in, you know, but be it 10 years ago, so they don't make the same mistake that I make and, and hopefully they can keep their agency going uh, unlike what I had to do. 
Because it does seem like, and I, I remember a former boss telling me this many years ago too, that you know, you, if you say new business is the lifeblood of an agency and you know that's the way to grow and you, you've got to keep this uh, pipeline of leads, but you take your eye off the ball of the current clients and keeping them happy, you know, then you end up on this treadmill of clients are coming in and going all the time, this revolving door, and you don't want that either. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think there's a, there's ways around that. I think first off, there there needs to be someone dedicated to new business that is not working with clients. I, I see a lot of agencies that will take an account director and you know give them half responsibilities for new business. And uh, you know, rarely do I see that really work out that well. It takes a very special individual and a special situation to pull that off because at the end of the day, the client will always take precedent over anything new. And, and ultimately it becomes this kind of roller coaster, the start and stop of new business activities. And, you know, really to be successful in new business, it takes, you know, what we call professional persistence. And it's constantly getting out there uh, because if you, if you don't, uh, you're, you're gonna fall behind. And, and that's always then the first thing that goes. So I think that's a big thing, you know, is, is having someone dedicated to new business uh, is something that I would definitely recommend. Mm-hmm. And Christian, the way I got to know you, you, you send out some updates on you know, the comings and goings of chief marketing officers. So maybe this is a chance for me now to look on the other side of the desk. We've been talking about the agencies and the new business pursuit, but now let's talk about the chief marketing officers and other heads of marketing on the client side. What are, what's going through their minds lately? What are their priorities? Yeah, this is interesting. And it's, and it's been a great topic, especially lately, because I think there's been a shift at the time we're recording this. It's, uh, you know, we're going into summer of 2021 and uh, vaccines have been rolling out at a, at a pretty good clip and uh, things are starting to open up here in the United States. And, you know, for the longest time, for the last year, it's been all really about, you know, managing through the pandemic and uh, for, for companies cutting back and, 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 and now we are moving into a new phase where, you know, companies are, are thinking six months, a year down the road and in the six months to a year down the road, it looks like, you know, knock on wood here, it, we're going to be in a very different place where we're going to be much more, you know, opened up. So, you know, when what we're advising a lot of our clients on even right now is that it's not, you know, so much about, uh, you know, getting through the pandemic and, and recovery. It's, it's really about what's next beyond that. You know, how, how have consumers' behaviors changed, you know, forever, um, you know, because of what has happened? Uh, you know, what does travel look like, you know, in 2022? Uh, there's, there's a lot of, you know, you know, different topics than, you know, the return to live events uh, is another topic. So, you know, I think a lot of CMOs right now from what we're hearing have been more in a protective mode. And now they're starting to look at something more of a growth mode. Uh, so it, it does present, you know, some new opportunities for uh, for agencies, uh, in some new different categories that maybe were, you know, really closed for for some time here. And it, it's always been so interesting to me the the lifespan of a CMO. Mm -hmm. I mean, the job the job turnover it, it's a tough position, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. You know, I think you know the CMO they're asking more and more of the CMO, you know, these days. 
uh, from everything from customer experience. Uh, you know, I'm seeing CMOs even taking on, you know, employee experiences now, and uh, certainly digital has become a, a bigger and bigger part of their role and, uh, and with marketing technologies that are coming aboard. So it's really, uh, you know, it's really a position that, uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of envy, you know, for because it's it's got to be, you know, really, really challenging. And, and the pace of change that is happening in marketing as well uh, is is really remarkable. Um, you know, I, I can't think of uh, off the top of my head here at least another C-suite position that sees that type of rapid change that we're that the the marketers are seeing. You know, so I think unfortunately it puts the CMO in a really tough spot. And there's some really great ones out there, and there's others that um, you know maybe aren't succeeding. And you know, quite frankly, sometimes I don't think it's the CMO themselves that is not succeeding. I think just the organization doesn't really know where it wants to go and, and how to support them the right way. And uh, and unfortunately, they just kind of get caught in the middle. Yeah. And does that high pressure, high demand, then you know, trickle or translate to the agency relationship? It certainly does. It puts every agency in a situation where you know they have to you know have concern that if that client's going to be around or not because if that CMO leaves uh, for whatever reason uh, that their account you know then therefore gets into a situation where it, it could be in trouble uh, you know they say that the, the first 90 days of a CMO coming aboard uh, is the most active. So if somebody leaves, that means someone else new is coming aboard and, and, and they may have existing relationships, they may have a different vision. Uh, so so it, it's really important for agencies to build relationships you know, with the C-suite, but then also with others in the organization uh, to really try to you know, have a, a great relationship overall. So even if somebody new comes aboard, uh, they have that buy-in and that, that belief from, from everybody within, which, which is not always easy. So you're really describing this first few months of a CMO's uh, tenure as both a window of opportunity for a new agency, but also a window of well, a demand and opportunity both, I suppose, for the current agency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you mentioned our newsletter. You know, we put out every week uh, that you know new CMOs that that have taken the helm at various organizations and. We certainly have uh, companies that subscribe to this newsletter because they're looking for new business opportunities, but we have others that just want to keep tabs on, on their own um, uh, clients and make sure that they're not missing something if somebody knew were to come aboard uh, and they not know. So it, it, it certainly works both ways. There you go. Well, as long as we're on this note then, Christian, how can we uh, connect with you, learn more about your consulting, but also maybe get uh, on your list for this weekly newsletter? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm on all the social channels, but I think the easiest place to go to start would be my website, which is christianbinock.com. And within uh, the website, there are uh, there's an area where you can register for the Monday motivation newsletters, what we call it. So you get a little bit of Monday motivation as well as uh, you know the top five new CMOs that have taken over uh, you know enterprise organizations over the last week, and uh, and that's a great way to you know stay in touch. Um, and from there, you can find links to all the social channels, and we have a free masterclass that's available on there, and various other free resources for agencies. Uh, fantastic. And I think about that document that does become the bridge between that CMO and the agency, and that's the also famous RFP. What, mm. what, are, what are you seeing? Uh, what are you sensing is in an RFP today? Because you were mentioning, hey, the world's changed. Coming back is not like going back. You know, it's going to be different. What, what do you have a sense that tomorrow's RFP 
might look like in contrast to last year's RFP? Yeah. You know, I think it's going to vary a little bit based on uh, the individual industry that that company is in. However, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think there has definitely been more, you know, across every every industry, really more of a protection. You know, they, they're focusing more on their current clients and how do we get more out of them? And, and I see now a shift starting to happen where it is more growth mode. How do, how do we find, you know, new customers and new clients uh, that are out there. So I think growth will become uh, an increasingly bigger and bigger piece of the RFPs, uh, you know, moving forward in, in the latter half of this year and into 2020 or 2022, I should say. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, thinking about your own creative journey too, Christian, I love the story that, uh, you know, this starts back in high school uh, with some concert promotions, but looking around the corner, looking over the horizon for you, where do you see things going in your own creativity? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think from a, a, a personal side, I really enjoy art and, and I've found myself increasingly trying to explore other creative avenues uh, for myself and, and art could be writing, art could be painting. Uh, it can mean a lot of different things. So, uh, you know, I mentioned the Monday Motivation newsletter, which, I, you know, I've gotten really great response from and I've been, you know, thinking about trying to turn those into a, into a book uh, of some sort. Uh, I don't know, to be honest, if anybody would buy it, but I, I have a daughter and if anything, I, I would like to just give it to her. And, and if that's the only one that sees it, that would be that would be great in my book. And if others can get value from it as well. But I, I really get a thrill out of that uh, creative writing process. And I think that there, there may be more there. I had always just thought about it being more from a business standpoint, but I, I'm now evolving that thought process into, you know, maybe it doesn't have to just be, you know, a how-to book anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and even the newsletter, listen, to, I, I thought it was a listing of new CMOs and you have reframed it. And I'm reminded that it's Monday motivation and you tell a, a little story there. And so we always talk about sharing a bit of ourselves and this authenticity and revealing more of our personality. And so I can imagine a few Future issues would have some of your paintings, some of your uh, stories. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it, it would. I, 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 I have a few ideas that I, I would love to continue to explore and, and share uh, and put it out there. And if it could help some others along the way, you know, that's that's a bonus. Well, Christian Banak has been our guest. Can't thank you enough for being on the program, Christian. And thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And listeners, I think you've heard from Christian, this idea of expressing creativity as an agency, as a creative company and a firm looking to impress clients and build a pipeline of new business requires an ongoing effort and an ongoing focus. And certainly, just as in this podcast, we talk about the pure inspiration of creativity. You know, the creative department and the creative work and the awards is one piece, but solving problems creatively, you know, and in the market and for the client's business is probably the primary driver. And Christian really underlined that for us today and underscored that importance. So be sure to visit his website, christianbanak.com. And listeners, come back again for our next episode. We'll continue our around-the-world travels. It was great to stop off and stamp our creative passport at O'Hare in Chicago today. But we're going to continue this journey across Europe and Asia, South America, Africa, the Middle East. We'll continue to talk to creative individuals 
all over the world and find out what inspires them, how they organize their ideas, and finally, how they make the connections and gain the confidence to launch their own ideas out into the world. So until then, I'm Mark Stenson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer. Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast, using Audition, Premiere Rush, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better, unlocking your world of creativity.